verse 26. Let's read it together, pausing uh, briefly at the punctuation marks. James chapter 1, verse 26, the Word of God says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And let's pray. Lord, this is a very convicting verse. I pray you'd help each one of us to gain the victory over our tongue, over our speech, so that we can have a profitable and effective religion before men and mankind. And we ask that you would teach us your book tonight, give us a desire to want to accomplish it and obey it, and then give us victory in this important area. Please give me the strength of voice and that you would speak with the dear Holy Spirit as I speak uh, to the ears, you would speak to the heart. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> what a powerful verse uh, and just almost shocking in its bluntness. Uh, if any man among you seem to be religious, <laughs> well, it's like a slap in the face, isn't it? Oh, you seem to be religious. You look religious. You have the appearance of being religious. And religious in this sense is in the good sense. It's talking about being devoted to God. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this, man, this man's religion is in vain. Wow. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be religious. I'm trying to be devoted to God. I'm trying to live a life of piety and devotion to God. I want to be like Jesus. But this verse says that if I want to be like Jesus and I don't learn to control my tongue, then my religion will be in vain. And the word vain just means empty, or here's a, a good synonym for it, profitless. It will be without profit. My religion, my devotion to God won't be able to help you because I can't control my tongue, right? And so in order to be profitable for the kingdom of God, in order to bring God glory, in order to be taken seriously as a Christian, in order to help other people come to Christ and follow Christ, then I have to learn to deal with this thing called the tongue. The Bible even says some people think they're Christ-like, but they don't control their tongue, and they're just deceiving themselves. Do you think Jesus walked around and said mean and hurtful things to people for no reason? you think Jesus walked around and just cursed when he stubbed his toe and, and cursed somebody when they didn't do what he wanted them to do? And do you think Jesus just randomly lost his temper? Do you think Jesus often said things that, that he would have to apologize for later. No, none of that. And what this verse is teaching us is that in our efforts to become like Jesus, we must confront one of the greatest enemies of our Christian testimony, and that is our tongue. That is what we say, how we speak. I got saved when I was 16. I got right with God when I was 17. I can assure you that by the time I was 16, 
I had learned the inappropriate use of my tongue. I had learned uh, all the bad words. I'd learned how to use them. Uh, often in school, you get creative <laughs> trying to be uh, creative with the words and use them in new ways and make up new ones. And, and the, uh, the, the, the curse words, the, the dirty talk, uh, all of those types of things. Uh, I remember I used to <clears throat> talk back to my mom. And if I got in trouble as a teenager, it was usually because of my mouth. And she, she used to say, Paul, your mouth gets you in so much trouble. And uh, she didn't know I was supposed to be a preacher. She tried to hinder me. I tell her that now. I joke with her. I'm, you tried to hinder me. God wanted me to use my mouth. She said, you weren't using it for God. <laughs> I said, no, I, I wasn't. I know what dove soap tastes like. Uh, if I got caught cursing, uh, back then the thing to do would be to wash your mouth out with soap. How many of you ever had that done? Got your uh, mouth washed out with soap? I saw a meme today. Someone said it, it showed a picture like a 1950s drawing of a parent grabbing a kid's arm and like spanking them with their hand. And the, the meme said, some of you were never grabbed by the arm and spanked in a circle. And it shows. <laughs> you know, and some of you remember, you know, you grow up as a kid, and my mommy just used to grab us and, <laughs> you know, and you're kind of running around, and they're kind of chasing you. And, and uh, that brought back fond memories of being, <laughs> being spanked in a circle. <laughs> I know what it was like that my mouth washed out with soap, and rightly so. And it wasn't just a little stick it in there. It was like stick it in there and scrape it on the teeth and wrap it around. I remember one time it was so bad, and I, I'm sure I deserved it. Thank God by that time soap wasn't toxic anymore. My mom took liquid soap and put it on my toothbrush and made me brush my teeth with it. You say, well, that's, that's child abuse. No, I needed it because my mouth was dirty. And I needed it washed out. But let me tell you, you taste that soap a long time after whenever you brush your teeth with it. Uh, <clears throat> But my mouth used to always get me in trouble. And can I say that all of our mouths get us in trouble? Would you agree with that? All of our mouths get us in trouble. And this tongue is one of the greatest enemies against a good Christian testimony. We have to learn how to control it. The good news is you can, with God's help, you can learn to bridle this tongue. And the word bridle is an important visual, just like you would put a bridle on a horse to direct it properly, to control the horse. A horse is very useful if it's submissive uh, to the master. But a horse that's not submissive, a horse that's not trained, can actually kill the rider. can kill you. Have you ever been horseback riding? I went on a horseback, I went on a horse one time, 18 hands high. Now that's big for a horse. And I'm sitting way up high. That's probably 10, 15 years ago. I'm sitting way up high. The ground's way down there. This horse was massive, and I like had zero control. It was, thankfully, it was uh, the person was leading around 
uh, by the bridle. But uh, the, horse, the horse that can help you can also kill you. And the tongue that can be one of your greatest allies in serving the Lord can also kill your testimony. So we must learn how to bridle the tongue so that our religion is not profitless. It doesn't say that the, the religion is not real. It says it's vain. It's empty. It has no profit. James chapter 2 says faith without works is dead. And the idea there is, is that my faith without works doesn't help you. James chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 teaches Christians to live by what God says and not by what we see. The just shall live by faith and not by sight. But James chapter 2 verses 14 through 26 teach us that unbelievers live by what they see and not by what we say. So I can tell someone that I'm a Christian and that Christ changed my life, but they're believing what they see first. Now, if what they see matches what I say, we have a powerful testimony. But if what they see and hear out of our mouths does not match what we want our testimony to be, we've lost the power to influence them for Christ. And so we must get our tongue under control. Look at James chapter 3, the famous treatise on the tongue. <clears throat> James chapter 3, verse 2, and we'll read down through several verses. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect. The word perfect there doesn't mean sinless, it means mature. Is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. So the Bible says there's a lot of ways we can offend people. But the most common way we offend people is with what we say. And if you can learn to not offend people by what you say, then you're showing Christian maturity in having the tongue under control. It also says that if you, if you have the spiritual power to control the tongue, you'll also, in the process, gain the spiritual victory over the other sins in your life. Right? If you can control the tongue through the Spirit of God then you're able also to bridle the whole body. Sins of the tongue often accompany the other sins of the flesh uh, because it's just one more symptom that we are out of control and not living in submission to God. Look at verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. So if we control the horse's mouth, you control that whole body, that that when I was riding that horse, 18 hands high, black, beautiful horse, the, the little 150-pound lady leading that horse around was doing it by the bit in his mouth. Just, and the, the whole horse would follow. Because if you control this, then you gain control over the rest of the body. Verse 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great or large, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about... Uh, with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. So the largest ships are uh, directed by a small rudder, and the rudder is always tiny in comparison to the rest of the ship. But the rudder is, is that, that point where if you can control that, then you gain control over so much more. And then he likens the rudder to the tongue, verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member... And boasteth great things, 
Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. So the Bible talks about the tongue is so powerful. Here's a trivia question for you. Did you know that ounce for ounce, your tongue is your most powerful muscle in your body? Your tongue is your most powerful muscle in your body. And I think that is symbolic of the great power it has as we affect other people. And then he says, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. You know, it doesn't take much of but a spark to start a, a large forest fire. And he goes on to say in verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Have you ever caused a lot of trouble with a few words? <laughs> yeah, we all have. And it's amazing how, how powerful this thing is. We can cause an awful lot of pain and suffering for ourselves and others with just a, a few words. And the Bible says that the tongue is a world of iniquity. <clears throat> so much sin can be spewed out through our tongue. He says in verse 6, So is the tongue among, among our members that it defileth the whole body. So the tongue can defile everything else. By the way, we've learned human nature. Oftentimes you speak things before you do them. Uh, in, in abuse situations, in domestic violence or assault situations, police will tell you almost every time there are mean and angry words before the physical problems happen. And oftentimes you're describing what you're going to do to somebody before you do it. The tongue has the ability to start a fire and then involve the rest of our members in the sin that makes sense that if we control the tongue, then we also restrain the rest of our members, members being hands, feet, uh, uh, the rest of our body parts from sin. So the tongue becomes the bridle. Notice it says the end of verse 6, And setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. So the sin nature, the same sins that are, are going to take us to hell without Christ, are the sins that we are accomplishing and talking about and spewing out with our tongues. And we can start a fire. Listen, you can start a fire to burn your marriage down with your tongue. You can start a fire to destroy any relationship with your mouth. You can lose your job. You can burn every bridge. All because of this thing right here. The Bible says in verse 7, For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpent and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly what? Poison. We've all felt that venom, haven't we? Well, there's nothing quite like mean words that can go to a place in your soul like nothing else can. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a, a wishful thinking, but oftentimes words do hurt. And the Bible says mankind has figured out how to tame every kind of beast there is, but haven't figured out how to tame the tongue. The good news is that with God's help, we can tame the tongue and have a whole different kind of speech. He talks about verse 9, the hypocrisy of the tongue. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. 
Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So if you're not careful, you'll come to church on Sunday and praise God, and then you'll go to work tomorrow and cuss out your coworker. Or go home tonight and say something terrible to your family member. And the Bible says these things ought not to be. It's very important that we let Christ change our Mondays through Saturdays, not just our Sundays. One of the massive problems with the Christianity of the last generation is that people would almost put Jesus on like a a set of church clothes on Sunday, and then they would live completely differently than the, the rest of the week. And that just doesn't work. We have to learn to to try to live tomorrow like we live today. And part of fixing any problem is acknowledging it's a problem. It's wrong for me to praise God and curse men out of the same mouth. It's wrong for me to come here and sing a hymn and then have other terrible things come out of my mouth when I'm not in church, right? He gives an illustration, verse 11, doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And the answer is no. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees, either the vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So he's saying there's nothing in nature that that gives both uh, health and death, both uh, fresh water and salt water or bitter water. Uh, figs and olives. You have to pick one. And the goal is the tongue has the ability, you know, the forked tongue, the, the double speak. If we're not careful, we can speak one side out of our mouth righteousness and out of the other side iniquity. And the Bible is saying, no, 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 no. With God's help, and as you mature as a Christian, you can take this tongue and bring it into the subjection of Christ to where you can have Christ-like speech and a good Christian testimony. Does that make sense to you? Look at verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. And so a Christian maturity is actually shown in our behavior, in our words and deeds, uh, as we meekly... I try to live for Christ. And so we see the issue. We see that the, the tongue becomes a linchpin in our service for Christ. And I, I have fought that battle. I have sat where some of you sit. Now, in this room, we've got some people that haven't cussed in a millennia. I mean, you, we've got kids that hopefully have never said a curse word. Uh, we've got uh, some people that, that probably let one slip this afternoon. You know, so there's, in a growing church, there's always people of different groups. But let me tell you something, young people, just because you don't use curse words, it's vile when you talk back and disrespect your parents. That's the same vile tongue that comes out. The calling of mean words, the unkindness to your brother or sister, the harsh language, the hurtful venom that comes out. All of that is from the same spirit. And sometimes we think about cursing as the only sin of the tongue. No, but there's a lot of sins of the tongue. What about gossip? What about repeating things that aren't true? What about assassinating someone's character? Uh, All of these things 
happen right here in the tongue. And so if we're going to have a Christ-like testimony, then we need to learn to have Christ-like speech. And tonight I want to take the last few minutes we have, and I'm going to give you some prayers that lead to Christ-like speech. So These are things that you can pray to help you gain the victory over your tongue. Uh, And I have prayed many of these over the years, and some of them I I still pray because it's so important. Just because you had the victory today doesn't mean you're going to have the victory next week unless you put some effort into it. And so uh, let me give you some of these thoughts, and we'll dive right in. Look at Psalm 141. Psalm 141. And I want to tell you, this is absolutely attainable, absolutely, with God's help. It might take some time, it might take some effort, it'll take some prayer, take some submission, some faithfulness. But by the grace of God, my, my wife has never heard me say a cuss word. My family's never heard me curse, my children. My, no church member has ever heard me curse or tell a dirty joke. Now, I'm not saying that to point the the light on me, I'm saying that this is imminently doable. Now that I said that, if I let one slip this week, don't be mad at me. No, that's not, that's not, that's not okay. But uh, uh, God can give you the victory. At the same time, all of us have to be careful of not saying hurtful things, of not just being tired and, uh, or frustrated and saying something hurtful. Uh, or or jabbing or sharp or unkind in tone. We have to make sure that our volume doesn't get out of control and we start yelling. And There's so many uh, shades of, of the sins of the tongue, but God can help all of us bring those things into subjection. And none of us will do it perfectly, but we can be gaining ground and get more and more victory in the Lord. <clears throat> Let's look at Psalm chapter 141 and verse 3. And this is a good prayer to pray. Psalm 141 and verse 3. Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Now the word watch speaks of a guard. And the word keep, the old English word keep, speaks of guarding. So you could say it like this. Set a guard O Lord, before my mouth, guard the door of my lips. And so that's a good prayer, and it's something that I pray uh, regularly. Lord, set a, set a watch on my lips. Lord, help me watch my mouth. Help me make sure that my mouth is not going to say something that would hurt others or that would, that would bring you reproach. And so set a guard over my lips is a prayer that can lead to Christ-like speech. And And what does this mean? I think it means cursing. Uh, We want to make sure that we're not cursing. Look at Psalm 109. Psalm 109. We're going to use our Bibles here quickly in the last bit of time we have. Psalm 109. So we want to set a watch for cursing. I want to make sure that that I'm not uh, speaking curses. Uh, Psalm 109, verse 
17, this is a description of the wicked. As he loved cursing, so let it come unto him. As he delighted not in blessing, so let it be far from him. So one of the problems with cursing is if your mouth is full of cursing, then it's not full of blessing. Right? If you're cursing something, then you're not blessing something. If you're being negative, you're not being positive. Your mouth can't be full of bitter and sweet at the same time. And so we make the choice to be negative or positive, to curse or bless. And the Bible says they love cursing. Verse 18 says, As he clothed himself with cursing, like as with his garment, so let it come into his bowels like water, like oil into his bones. Let it be unto him as the garment which covereth him and for a girdle wherewith he is girded continually. So sinners love cursing and they clothe themselves in it. Have you ever been around people that they don't even know they're cursing anymore because it's just such a part of their life? You know, you'll be at Shaw's and it's like, man, I can't find a blankety blank milk and where's the blankety blank Snickers and the blankety blank? And it's like, what? <laughs> I looked at a man one time, I said, do you know any other adjectives? What's an adjective? That's a, okay. That's, I, I got my answer. It's like the only descriptive term they know is four-letter words, and they don't even know they're doing it. So one way that you figure that out is you say, Lord, set a watch on my lips. I, I may not even be aware when this is happening, but Lord, you're, gonna, you're aware. You know what's going to come out of my mouth. Lord, you guard my mouth. So we guard our mouth from cursing. We ask God to guard our mouth from corruption. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Colossians 3.8 says, But now put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Filthy communication. I've, our world is so sexualized today. My, I have heard more about immorality and the description of, of body parts in the last year than I've heard in my entire 40, 45 years before. Because of all the, the sexuality in the world and the trans stuff and the, 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 the LGBT stuff, it's like a common discussion. It, it has literally corrupted the discussion of a nation. When we've got nine-year-olds coming to school and saying, oh, I'm bisexual, I'm transsexual, it's like you don't even know what that means. But it's part of their conversation because it's, it's filthy conversation, the, the, the conversation regarding immorality, the dirty jokes, the, the double entendres, the, all of this kind of stuff. Keep it clean. Keep your mind out of the gutter. Keep your mouth out of the bathroom. Jesus would not talk that way. Amen? And so the Lord set a, set a watch on my lips. I think also confusion. We set a watch on... On our lips for confusion, 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. You know, sometimes we can cause confusion with our words. Backbiting and gossip can make people confused about other people. Judgment of someone's uh, intentions and motives can make... Some, I thought so-and-so was a good guy, but you're saying this. I thought, I thought she was a nice lady, but you're telling me this. It can cause confusion. You know, the, the, the negative speak, the assuming of bad things. Uh, look at Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. 
We're talking about Lord set a watch on our mouth, a, a, a watch for cursing, a watch for corruption, a watch for confusion. Lord, don't let my lips be used to confuse people about Christ or, or his people. <clears throat> Romans chapter 16 the Bible warns us against people that would use their mouth to, to, sow, <clears throat> to sow unrest in, in the church. And we see in verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So how do they do this? How do, how do they cause divisions and offenses Verse 18, for they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, that speaks to their motives, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. We saw this in the Old Testament with Moses, and oh, you just brought us out so we could die in the wilderness. I thought Moses was our leader. Didn't God send him? No, he's no good. He takes too much upon him. He just wants to be an emperor. Well, well, I, thought, I thought God was speaking to him, and that confusion can get sown. And so we want to make sure that our words, our mouths not being used for uh, cursing, for corruption, for confusion. We need to watch our words and ask God to watch our words. We need to ask God to help us understand our tone. You know, sometimes people don't understand how they're talking, and, and in our house... Uh, my wife and I give each other permission that if we start talking in a way that is that makes the other one or, or that the other one realizes is not as godly as it could be, we have the ability to call each other on that. And so sometimes sometimes we don't know we're talking like this. And someone can say, your tone is a little, oh thank you. Thank you very much. You know, sometimes I tell my kids, they they don't realize they don't realize they're talking like this. Okay, I fine, I'll take out the trash. Whoa. What? I said I'm going to take out the trash. Whoa. <laughs> you know? And it's not because they're being bad. It's because they're just not aware. And so we, we need to ask the Lord to make us aware. I've had people down in my office when I'm trying to help them, and sometimes they come in all out of sorts, and they're like literally screaming or yelling, and, and thankfully it doesn't happen often, but it has happened. And uh, it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. I want to help you. Bring the volume down. I'm not yelling. Bring the volume down. Right? Because sometimes we're so passionate, we don't even know what we're doing. So we need to pray the Lord. Lord, set a watch on my mouth, my words, my tone, my volume. Help me to to be aware of my speech. And let, let me warn you, parents, your children will pick up the way you talk. So husbands, make sure you respect your wives. Wives, make sure you respect your husbands. Talk to each other in a, in a, a thoughtful and kind way uh, and set the right tone. We had a, a young boy here recently that was cussing up a storm. I said, who taught you how to talk like that? He said, my blankety-blank dad, you know, and he's just like really going after it. And, and, you know, from experience, I know that a lot of kids do learn it from their parents. And so we have to make sure that we are doing the right thing. Guarded lips are often counted as wisdom. Proverbs 17, verse 28 says, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. I like the saying that says, It's better to close your mouth and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
right? <laughs> right? But oftentimes, if we just, if we just wait, be swift to hear, slow to speak, James talks about, that a lot of times people will count that as wisdom, and it is a form of wisdom. All right, so number one, prayers that, that uh, help us have Christ-like speech. Number one, set a guard over my lips. Number two, deliver me from lying and deceitful lips. Look at Psalm 120. <clears throat> Psalm 120. The Bible says in verses 2 and 3, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Now, all of us have been hurt by people that have lied to us. And this is a prayer of, Lord, deliver me from people that are lying to me. It's also appropriate for us to pray, Lord, Deliver me from my own lying tongue and a a deceitful tongue and from lying lips. Look at Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. You know, people lie today without even thinking about it. I've never known a time when, in my life when people have lied without any shame or fear. Uh, I heard someone say recently, and I think it's true, especially in the political world and in, in public discourse, he said people are no longer punished for lying, they're punished for telling the truth. And I thought, you look at the political landscape, that's true. You look at public speech in, in popular culture, that's true. If you say something true, you're accosted and treated like, I was talking to a man today, and there's someone in their school that identifies as a lizard. And so he wears a lizard costume to school. He wants to be addressed as a lizard. He wants to be treated like a lizard because that makes him feel safe. Now, there would have been a day in America where someone would have cared about that boy enough to say, let me help you with whatever you're feeling, because I I want you to feel safe, but you're not a lizard. But in today's world, if you say something like there's only two genders, they treat you like a criminal. But if you say, oh, there's multiple genders, unknown genders, you can move back and forth at any given day, you can be this or that, they are literally talking about putting litter boxes in Rhode Island high schools for students that identify as cats. And so it's like if, if you were to say, oh, you're not a cat, whoa, whoa, how dare you? But folks, there is something called the truth, and the truth is not a thing. He's a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by him. Jesus is the embodiment of the truth. Everything he says is true. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 in response to the Pharisees, Have you not heard that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? So I'm just using that as one illustration. Uh, uh, during COVID, we saw that if you said something that was true, something like natural immunity is better than vaccine immunity, they would shut you down and call you a liar. You didn't know what you're talking about. And, but that's always been true. If, if I said back then, if, if you remember sixth grade science, you know this is true. And now they're like, oh, yeah, that's true. After years of, of beating people down, you know, don't question election results. Don't talk about this. Don't do this. How dare. So we're living in a world that has very little value for the truth. The Bible says in Isaiah there was a time in Israelite history that truth is fallen in the streets and trampled. And we're living in a day again where truth is fallen in the streets and people walking all over it. And if you have the gall to point it out, you're the problem. We have to make sure that in these crazy days, we don't fall into that habit of lying. It's very natural to lie. The sin nature lies very easily. But how does God feel about lying? Saying things that are not true. Look at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16. These six things doth the Lord what? Hate. You say, I thought God was a God of love. Yeah, you can only love if you have hate. The love doesn't exist in a vacuum. If you, if you love your garden, you'll hate the weeds that try to kill your garden. If you love your children, you'll hate the things that are trying to destroy your children. And God's hatred is equal to his love. It's important that we find out what he loves and what he hates. The Bible says here, these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. Now, abomination is the strongest word for hatred in the Bible. It would be a good thing if you would go through the Bible and find out what, what things God says are an abomination, because these are the things God hates most of all. But here we have a concise list. It's not the only thing that God hates or things that are abominations, but these are six things that God says, I hate them, and they're an abomination to me. The strongest word for hatred in the Bible. And the list would surprise you. You know, you might say, polluting a stream. You know, having a large carbon footprint. You know, uh, killing someone. These, these types of things. Your list would probably be different from God's list. But look at the things God hates. The first thing, a proud look. <laughs> what? The number one thing on God's list that he hates is a proud look. Yes, because pride is the mother's sin. Every other sin comes from pride. And a proud look is simply a symptom of a proud heart. And a proud heart is susceptible to every sin known to man. I guess as I hate that. Look what else he says. A lying tongue. Do you know a lying tongue is in one of the, the top three things that God hates? Christian, let me help you. Don't be a liar. Amen. Don't be deceitful. In the Chapman household growing up, one of the worst sins in our household was lying. 
and you can do what you want in your family, in our family, a lie was double trouble. Whatever you did, and then you lied about it, your punishment just doubled to start. I don't need to know any details. The lie times two everything. Why is that? Because if someone grows up to become a liar, it's very hard to help a liar. It's very hard to help someone who lies. And if we let people get really good at lying, the best liars believe their own lies. And you can have been in the room and saw and heard everything And they will look at you with utter sincerity telling you that you're wrong. You did not see it. And they will believe it. How do you help someone like that? Well, the truth is you can't until they are willing to confront their own deceitful heart. Because in order to fix a problem, you have to acknowledge the problem, right? So we need to pray, Lord, deliver me from lying and deceitful lips. Look at what's next in the list here, hands that shed innocent blood. It's not a sin to defend your family. It is a sin to hurt somebody who's innocent. Verse 18, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination. You know, some people just sit around dreaming about wickedness, thinking about ways to be deceitful and ways to get away with sin and how they're going to deceive their parents and how they're going to deceive their spouse and how they're going to deceive this person or that person. And God says, listen, don't you get a wicked and deceitful heart. Because if you let your heart play with those fantasies, they will eventually come out. That's why I encourage people, don't have a secret life that's different than your public life. Don't, have, don't give yourself permission to do things online you wouldn't do in real life. Because your heart becomes this factory of <clears throat> wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Some people not only get in trouble, they run to it. And God says, I hate that. I hate that when God has mercy on those that are trying and get in trouble, but when someone gives themselves to wickedness, God's got a problem with it. A false witness that speaketh lies. So what's the difference? What's the difference between that and a lying tongue? A lying tongue says things that are not true. A false witness is saying they saw things or heard things they did not see. And usually that has to do with hurting someone else. A witness in the Bible is usually saying, I heard so-and-so say this. I heard so I watched so-and-so do this. Or no, they didn't do that when they did. A false witness is someone that is trying to hurt someone else with their witness or trying to vouch for someone else's sin with their witness And God says, speak the truth. Say things that are true and tell the truth. If you're ever supposed to be a witness in something, speak the truth. And then the last one in this list, he that soweth discord among the brethren. Or God hates it whenever someone goes into a church and starts trying to pit church members against each other or members against the pastor or this or that. God hates that. The church should be a place of unity. 
And thank God, right now our church is unified. But listen, we've been there before, and it'll happen again if Jesus doesn't come back. Sometimes decent people get foolish. They, they get crossways in their own heart and mind. They say foolish things. Sometimes good people do dumb things. And we have to love them through it, but also confront it, give them the opportunity to, to get things right. I gave you tonight two prayers out of the seven I have listed here. <laughs> and so <laughs> I will pray about if, when the Lord wants us to, to finish this list. But if you just do these two things, Lord, set a watch on my lips. Lord, guard my mouth. Help me not curse. Help me not cause confusion. Help me not speak corruption. And then, Lord, deliver me from lying lips. Help me be someone that, that tells the truth to myself and to others. And if you do that, you go a long way to being like Jesus in your speech. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth tonight. Thank you for our group here, our church that is interested in hearing the truth and knowing the truth about you and your Bible. And Lord, all of us have a tongue that is, boy, if, if, if we don't bridle it with your supernatural help, it will cause a world of hurt. And so I pray that in our efforts to be like thee, that we would with these prayers, put a bridle on our tongue and help us to speak life to people and breathe life into them and help them rather than hurt them. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. <clears throat> Would you take a moment and examine your own speech? Uh, examine <clears throat> how you've been talking to the people in your life. Are you kind? Or crude? Are you merciful or mean? Are you long suffering or have quick anger? Children, do you respect your parents? Do you treat your brothers and sisters with <coughs> kindness? How do you talk to your co workers? How do you talk to your spouse? <clears throat> 